Daniel chapter 6 brings us to one of the most familiar stories in the Old Testament, if not one of the most familiar stories in all of the Bible, that of Daniel in the lion's den. It's a story that we learn from the very earliest age. And Daniel 6 marks the, the end of this, this narrative portion of the book of Daniel and chronologically puts us towards the end of Daniel's life and the final years of the exile of God's people to Babylon. As we move on in the book, we'll be looking at several visions that God then gives to Daniel and the the prophetic elements of those visions. But Daniel has been living now and serving for the majority of his life in a pagan culture often uh, that was hostile to that faith. And God has taken to heart, Daniel, excuse me, Daniel has taken to heart the instructions that God gave to the exiles through the prophet Jeremiah to, to move into the city and seek the welfare of the city where, where he would send them into exile and to pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, God says, you will find your welfare. And Daniel has clung to God's promise to give his people a future and a hope and to restore them according to that promise uh, back to their land and to restore their fortunes. And Daniel has been the instrument of God in doing that in many ways to remind God's people and as well as their captors that God is the King of Kings, that He is the sovereign over the kingdoms of men which come and go at His will and that while God's dominion, or the man's dominion and kingdoms are temporary, God's kingdom lasts forever. And almost as a living illustration of that, here we find Daniel having not just outlasted a series of Babylonian kings, but even the whole kingdom of Babylon itself. And he now finds himself serving in the administration of a man named Darius, who, as you remember, at the end of chapter 5, took control of, of Babylon after it was conquered by the rising Persian Empire. And Daniel is not just serving Darius's administration. He is appointed as one of the top three rulers in the kingdom. What King Belshazzar had promised Daniel but couldn't deliver, he is now granted by a new king of a new kingdom. And God continues to bless Daniel with wisdom and with power and favor as Daniel continues to live by by uncompromising faith and trust in God alone. But Daniel's faith in God, nor his, his favor with the people around him and the the kings of the kingdom don't prevent him from facing the plots and persecution of evil men. And here, after a whole lifetime of of that faith and that resolute trust in the Lord, Daniel finds himself in the most challenging of all the situations in his life. And the question for Daniel and the question for us is, can you trust God to deliver you? Can you trust God to deliver you even when all the people around you are conspiring against you? Can you trust God to deliver you when the law itself condemns you? Can you trust God to deliver you even when death threatens to consume you? And the answer for Daniel And for the people of God living in exile in his day, and for you and me today, is a resounding yes, you can. Yes. 
And Daniel's experience here is not only a testimony of the, of the truth of God's faithfulness and His power to deliver that, that we can trust Him, but it's also a picture of the means by which God ultimately secures that deliverance for us, namely through His Son, Jesus. And so I want to look at those three lessons from Daniel about trusting God's deliverance. And the first one is you can trust God to deliver you even when people conspire against you. As a new administration takes control over this vast empire, Daniel's appointed to be one of to one of the highest cabinet positions. He's one of, of three executives to rule over, over other officials, and, 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 and he's charged with protecting the king's interest in the kingdom. And it was sort of a, a checks and balances type system to prevent corruption of the corruption against the king. And Daniel does such a good job in his position, and he's known as a, <clears throat> excuse me, a man of integrity and such diligence and excellence that Darius plans to promote him to the highest level, to make him, in essence, a prime minister over the whole empire. And Daniel shows us what it means to live as a faithful believer in the world, to live in the world but not of it. To carry out our calling, to do our job with integrity and dedication and excellence, not for the glory of men, but for the glory of God. Daniel was indeed serving as salt and light in the palace that God had placed him. And God blessed his endeavor such that the king took notice. But the king was not the only one who took notice. Daniel's devotion to God and his dedication to being a, a godly leader also caught the attention of his colleagues and they were not so impressed. In fact, they put together a team to try to dig up as much dirt on Daniel as they could to try and find some way to discredit him before the king and before the people. Politics hasn't changed much in 3,000 years, has it? And that's because human nature hasn't changed. So they look for some ground of complaint against him on the job. Some way they can, they can bring him down a notch or two but they couldn't find any error or any fault in Daniel. Why? Because in verse 4 it tells us Daniel was faithful. He was faithful. He was faithful to God. He was faithful to God's calling in his life. And that didn't sit well with these men. So when they couldn't dig up any dirt on him at work, they decided to attack him in the place where it mattered most for him, and that is in the area of his faith. So they conjure up a plot to get the king to sign a decree, basically outlawing any prayer or petition to any god or man except for the king for a period of one month. A decree which they know, according to the, to the laws of the, uh, of the land, the laws of the Medes and the Persians, cannot be revoked once it's put in place. Not even by the king. And they make it a capital crime punishable by death. This was not a, a conspiracy against some particular group in the land. This was a conspiracy against one man, against Daniel himself. Now, why are these man out, men out to get Daniel? Was it because he was so good at his job? Well, I'm sure there was some professional jealousy, perhaps, at his success. But even so, Daniel was, was undoubtedly a fair and, and friendly and honest and encouraging person to work with and to work for. Why would they want him not just out, but even want him dead? It was because he was different. He wasn't 
like them. He didn't see and do things the way they did. He didn't act like you would expect someone in his position to act. Loving power. Taking advantage of of the privileges and perks. Seeking to curry favor with the king. Looking out for one's own interest. He is different and they recognize that difference. And they recognize it as being related to his relationship with his God. To his faith. You can tell that. They still see him as an outsider. After 70 years, they still identify him as that exile from Judah. Daniel's relationship with and devotion to God made him different. It set him apart in some ways. And it made him a target. Now, the point is not to say that all non-Christians are out to get believers. That's certainly not the case. Nor is it to say that all Christians live as upright a life and of faith as Daniel did. Not many of us do. But if we truly believe that God is sovereign over all things, if we believe that He alone is God and He alone is worthy of our worship and He alone can rescue and deliver us, if we take seriously His call to live as salt and light in the world, we can expect to be misunderstood to be maligned, and to be even conspired against in some fashion as a result. Jesus himself said that. (laughs) He said that the light of God's truth had come into the world and people love the darkness. He told his followers, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but I have chosen you out of the world. And therefore, as the world has hated me, it will hate you. The Apostle Paul, who knew firsthand the conspiring hatred of the world, reminded young Timothy that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so you and I may not find ourselves as the target of a conspiracy on our life because of our faith. But can you trust God? Boys and girls, can you trust God when you are being ridiculed or rejected by your friends at school because you won't? follow the crowd? Can you trust God when you're the subject of talk or gossip by your neighbors because of the way you you raise your children or the way you respond to certain situations? Can you trust God when you're pushed to the edge or treated differently by colleagues at work because of your stance on certain issues? Or when the plottings of politicians or the current currents of our, our culture threatened to, to, to make it increasingly difficult to live out your faith without suffering and sacrifice. Can you trust God? And the answer is yes, you can. And Daniel does just that. We're told that when Daniel knew the document had been signed, it's not something that, that jumps on him by surprise. When he, when he knows that the law is enforced in full knowledge and understanding of the dire consequences that are at stake, what does he do? He does what he's always done. He trusts God and he remains faithful in his devotion to God and faithful in his prayer. He doesn't lash out and protest. He doesn't mount a counterattack on his foes. But he also doesn't capitulate. He doesn't shy away from the conflict by seeking some special way around the law or compromising his convictions in order to avoid harm. Daniel remains faithful. 
And he continues his, his practice of, of coming and, and gathering and, and looking towards Jerusalem, the place of God's presence and, and that represents his presence and power. And he gets down on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks, just as he had done previously. Daniel doesn't change a thing. He could have pulled the curtains shut. He could have gone into a private room for prayer. He could have changed the time that he prayed to early morning or, or late at night when most people around would be asleep. He could have thought, you know what? It's only a month. 30 days. I mean, I've prayed every day for all of my life. Surely I can just pause for 30 days. It won't hurt anything. But Daniel, whose name means God is my judge, will not allow the judgment of other men to dissuade or discourage him from trusting in the Lord. And so Daniel goes right to his knees. Even when he knows others are watching, he prays to the Lord. Friends, what God thinks, says, and does matters infinitely more than what any king or what others around us might think, say, or do. That was Daniel's motive when he first came to Babylon and resolved not to defile himself before God. And that, that same resolute faith remains even stronger here at the end of his life when he knows that it will likely cost him his life. And indeed, it becomes the very thing that is used by his enemies to ensnare him. So when they see Daniel praying, they go to the king and they say, Oh, king, didn't you make a law that said something about praying to other gods or other men? Besides you? And isn't it a capital crime to do that? And the king says, yes, I did. And he acknowledges the nature of that law. Four times in this passage, it's noted that the law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be changed. And Daniel's foes have calculated that into the mix. And that's what we see in this second point, and that is that you can trust God not only to deliver you when men conspire against you, but you can trust God to deliver you when the law condemns you. When the king realizes that Daniel has been caught in this trap, he is, he is distraught. And we're told that he sets his mind to deliver Daniel. I mean, think about that. Darius is thinking, man, this is really not good. Daniel, I like Daniel. He works well in my kingdom. What can I do to deliver him? And he works all day to find some solution, but his officials keep coming back to him and reminding him, oh, no, no, no. It's the law. And it's the law of the Medes and the Persians, and it cannot be revoked even by you, O king. And so Daniel has the favor and the support of the most powerful man in the world at this point, and yet there's nothing that that man can do to save him. Daniel stands condemned by the king's law and the law demands that that sentence be meted out. And so Daniel is condemned and the king, despite his regret at signing the law, despite his, his seeming reluctance to carry out the sentence, he finds himself trapped and he finds himself bound by his own foolish convictions and he commands Daniel to be cast into the lion's den. And he does it with his own prayer of sorts. It's interesting. May your God, O oh Daniel, deliver you. And Daniel's lowered into the pit. The stone is rolled over the top. And the king's 
seal is put on the stone to ensure that nobody would intervene to deliver Daniel. Is God able to deliver you? Can you trust Him to deliver you when you are utterly condemned? The king spends a sleepless night fasting and wrestling in his own mind and heart at the things that have been done. Brothers and sisters, believers throughout history have found themselves on the wrong side of man's laws and his decrees and have been forced by the convictions of their faith to choose often between obeying God and obeying man. And in those cases, the choice is clear. Where man's laws are contrary to the Word of God or would force us to deny or to compromise our faith, we must obey God before man. Many believers have and still do find themselves locked away in prisons, forced into hard labor or or unbearable conditions, even condemned to death for doing so. Brothers and sisters, not out of the realm of possibility that one day such could be the case for some of us. There also may be times when we find ourselves justly condemned by the law, where we find ourselves having done something either deliberately or perhaps even accidentally that leads to our having to suffer some penalty or consequence or significant, of significant magnitude that can utterly change our lives. And we may have real regret. We may seek to make restitution, and yet the law is clear and we have to face those consequences. Can you trust God? When the law condemns you, and even the most powerful of man's forces cannot deliver you. It's an interesting question that even Darius the king who enacted the law asks and holds out some hope. And so after a disturbed night, he wakes up first thing and he runs to the den of lions to see the answer. He cries out, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God been able to deliver you from the lions? And he hears the answer in the sound of Daniel's voice. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me. So you can trust your God to deliver. Trust God to deliver you even when men plot against you and conspire against you. You can trust God to deliver you even when the law condemns you. And here we see that you can trust God to deliver you even when death threatens to consume you. Daniel had no human hope of surviving in the lion's den. As Daniel was lowered into the pit, they didn't just put tame lions in there. (laughs) They didn't feed these lions outside of what they uh, lowered down into the, those they lowered down into the pit. And Daniel's lowered into this pit and he could probably hear the the throaty growls and and the threatening roars of the cats as he was going down. As he looks down, going down into the the pit, he can likely see their, their eyes glowing, watching in eager anticipation as their prey is helplessly laid before them. And as the seal is put over the top, you can think Daniel is in utter darkness. Likely, likely just sitting there waiting for the first blow of a sharp claw or the first crunch of a fanged jaw upon him. But nothing happens. The lions are, are looking at Daniel and perhaps even prepared to lunge at him. But Daniel's not alone. 
he's not alone. There's another there with him. The angel of the Lord sent to silence the roar and to shut the lion's mouth. You see, again, Daniel's life is not ultimately in the hands of evil men. It is not ultimately under the judgment of man's kingdoms. It is not ultimately at the mercy of the powerful forces of death. Daniel's life and your life and my life are ultimately in the hands of the living God. And even when we stare into the face of death, be it from from evil actions or judgments against us, be it from the suffering of of illness or the tragedy of of an accident, even if it's just from the fragile and temporary nature of, of life lived in this world, when we look into the eyes of death, God is with His own. He is able to deliver us either from or through the threat of death itself. Daniel had no earthly or human reason to expect that he would emerge alive the next morning. But he had all the reason in the world to know and expect that even if he didn't, he could trust his God and his power and his promises for deliverance. And note the reason for God's deliverance. The Lord shut the lion's mouth, as Daniel says, because Daniel was found blameless before the Lord. By the law of the Medes and Persians, Daniel was guilty. And he deserved the sentence that he received. But as he stands before the bar of divine justice, Daniel is found not guilty before the Lord. And even before King Darius, Daniel says he has been faithful. And friends, you and I have all the more reason to trust God when people conspire against us, when the law condemns us, when the forces of death threaten to consume us. And it's not because we dare to be like Daniel. Though we should endeavor to be like Daniel, sharing his conviction and his courage and his confidence in God. But the message we often get from this story is if if we're just devoted enough, if we're just good enough before God, if we just trust God enough and have enough faith in Him, then He will protect us. Then He will bless us. Then He will take care of our enemies for us. In other words, if the focus is be blameless like Daniel and God will be with you and reward you and deliver you, That's not trusting God. That's trusting yourself. And who of us would dare to say with Daniel that we are found blameless before God? You see, Daniel's more than just an example for us of how we are to live and stand firm in the faith in difficult times, though he is that. Daniel is a picture, he is a foreshadowing of the presence and the power and the deliverance of God through the one who truly was righteous, truly was blameless before God. The parallels between between Daniel's experience and the experience of our Lord Jesus are amazing. Like Daniel, Jesus' life of devotion and obedience to God made him a target of his religious colleagues and indeed of, of many with whom he came in contact. His enemies could find no fault in him. They could find no complaint against him that would stick. And so they conspired to trap him and brought false accusations against him and delivered him over to a violent death. 
Think a bit about it. Like Darius, despite being convinced of his innocence, Pilate listened to the cries of Jesus' enemies and sentenced him to die a cruel death on the cross. Like Daniel, Jesus' body was placed in a, in a tomb and a stone was rolled over the entrance. And, and, and the, the Roman seal was put on it so that no one would come and change or manipulate the outcome. However, unlike Daniel, Jesus' trial and sentence went deeper and that He did not just face death, but He actually suffered death, even though He was truly without sin or guilt before God. On the cross, there was no angel to shut the lion's mouth or to turn away the wrath and judgment of God upon sin for Jesus. And there was no comforting presence but the utter forsakenness of God. Jesus was swallowed up in the place of those who conspired against Him. He took on the condemnation of the law from those who stood under that condemnation. He experienced death for those who truly deserve to be torn apart and consumed by death as judgment for sin. Jesus died for our sin, not for His own. And because He entered the pit of the grave for us, He, Jesus, has shut the mouth of, and of death. And He has turned away the judgment of God for us. So that now in Him, and only in Him, robed in His righteousness, we now stand blameless before a holy God. See, when Daniel was raised up out of the lion's den, he himself was spared. But when Jesus rose up out of the grave, He brought with Him all those, including Daniel, who will put their trust in the sovereign King of heaven, who has delivered them and will deliver them for eternity. Is that you? At the end of his life, the Apostle Paul was imprisoned for standing firm in his faith. And he faced going to the lions, literally, again. And in his letter to Timothy, at the end of his life, he shares the account of his trial. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. All deserted me. But the Lord stood by me. And He strengthened me so that through me the message might be proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So, Paul says, I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Paul's deliverance served as a, a witness and a proclamation of the power of God and, in, and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to deliver all who would trust in Him. And likewise, Daniel's deliverance served the purpose of Darius issuing another edict, calling all the peoples of the world to tremble in fear before Daniel's God it says, For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Again, what a testimony from a pagan king. And it should lead us to hope, to the hope and the assurance, which Paul goes on to state in Timothy. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, and bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Can you say the same? Can you trust the Lord to deliver you from the plottings of people against you? From the 
condemnation and sentence of the laws from the consuming jaws of eternal death. Only if you are resting in the finished work of Christ Jesus to deliver you and bring you safely home to His kingdom. Because see, we will all one day face a lion. Be the lion of Judah. The king of kings who will render judgment for all sins. And the question is, will we stand before Him like Daniel? Trusting in the mercy and the grace and the deliverance of a sovereign God in Christ Jesus, or like the evil men who came, who came, plotted against Daniel, will you be consumed by his wrath for sin? It's all about where you stand with Jesus. Come to him now. Trust in Him no matter what is going on in your life, what you are facing. Put your hope and trust in Him and look to the power of Christ, of God in Christ to deliver and to keep you unto eternity. Let's pray together. Lord, most of us have never known the testing of our faith to the degree that Daniel did. And none of us has ever experienced the trials and temptations that you faced in your son Jesus for us. And Lord, we are often quick to crumble under pressure, to compromise when the consequences are painful. To look to someone else or something else to deliver us in times of trouble. Father, forgive us. But we thank You and we praise You that You have called us to trust in You. And that You have opened our eyes to the deliverance which you have secured through your Son for us. Lord, I pray that we would put our hope and our confidence in Him and in you alone. And Lord Jesus, equip us, strengthen us by your Spirit, that we might know your presence with us through all the trials and struggles that we might face, even unto death itself. And if there are those here this morning, Lord, who don't have that confidence and that hope, or who are just struggling and doubting and, and wavering in it, I pray, Father, that You would grant faith. Faith that would stand. Faith that would overcome. Because You have overcome. And we pray this in Your name. Amen.